Hi, and welcome to The Terror Test. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And as fans of horror, our goal is to weigh the merits of films based on three categories, production, monster quality, and scare factor, to decide whether to admit them into our sacred horror canon. In this podcast, we're going to put horror movies to the test to determine what to watch next, what's worth revisiting, and what to recommend to the uninitiated. Number two pencils ready, and begin. Okay, so this is a very special episode because we um, went to Horror Hound. Yep, right here in Indianapolis at the good old Marriott. (laughs) Yeah, and so, I mean, this just shows, like, how much we have, like, evolved as horror fans because it's been almost a year since we started this and now we're going to conventions i know we didn't we didn't dress up this time we uh my brother went with us he loves to just make those transfer like iron on t-shirts so we made t-shirts we Mm -hmm. went um i i had a blast i love the there was a mask fest too Mm -hmm. so it had all sorts of like movie props and oh it was incredible that was fun um, so yeah, it was great. You're going to hear all about, um, the things that we saw and, uh, enjoyed, um, in our recording. Um, we did record during and right after the festival. So, uh, some of the sound quality may not be awesome. Um, so we're, just we're, we're having a meal. <laughs> so there's some <laughs> chewing, um, some silverware flashing. Yeah. But I think you'll be able to follow along. Yeah. Uh, and it's we, just before we went to the panel. Yes. Um, so as we were attending Horror Hound, we also reviewed uh, Candyman and Candyman Farewell to the Flesh, as well as another movie that we saw at a screening, Lace Crater. Yep. Um, so I think, I mean, I'm down for going next year. You want to go next oh, year? absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to figure out like costumes we're gonna have to do some cosplay costumes and our own little corner to have the conversation with mics yes we'll, we'll upgrade to mics we should <laughs> upgrade mics. all right so enjoy that was something that i liked about the first one is that has like all of the like has all the dialogue that's in the short story. There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> all of like the iconic lines. Yeah. Well, Eric and I were talking, I mean, about the movie's pretty slow. Starts off it slow. It is. Yeah. You just beat up in the bathroom this night. I, I remember like when I was a kid that like the idea of Candyman, it was so scary. Right? Yeah. But then when I finally saw the movie, it was not what I expected at all. It was very, like, slow and thoughtful, and it's like, between the main character and Danny Man, it's more like of a seduction, which just kind of went way over my head when I first saw it. Oh, no, yeah, it's a, it's a vampire movie. Yeah. It's a Dracula not, movie. Yeah. It's, it, I, I was expecting more, like, slasher kind of. Horror. So have you ever have you ever done it? Have you ever said Candyman five times in the mirror? Oh yeah. Have you ever done it? Same with like absolutely. Same with like Bloody Mary and stuff. That never freaked me out. Like, no. Actually uh, doing it, but like the idea of it's really scary. Yeah. Kristen told uh, told me before we came this morning that, that 
I couldn't do that. <laughs> She's like, it's just inviting stuff. <laughs> She's weird. I asked her. I was like, you just tell her you did it and see what her reaction is. She said to tell. Actually, she said to tell you not to do it either. But she didn't say I couldn't do it. No. <laughs> okay. Loophole. <laughs> Quite honestly, it never crossed my mind. But now, but now. See, I feel like that. we did that as a kid. Oh, yeah, I totally remember doing it. And I think it was. It wasn't until I saw the movie that. It wasn't something that I said in the mirror prior to like watching that movie. Really? So like I, I hadn't seen the you movie. You heard the urban like, legend and watched the movie. Um, no, I just like I had yeah I hadn't watched the movie until I was like maybe high school or maybe early college. Like, but as a kid, like you know the like legend of mm-hmm. it, and it seemed like such a a big deal at the, like around the time it came out which is why I think I was so surprised when it was such that kind of a slow thoughtful I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know just like um, cerebral movie yeah. do you feel like the second one like moves away from that though yeah which is why I don't like it yeah so you, you feel like it does though it, it like totally turns it into the more yeah it's not because it takes away that whole like seduction it also like I mean Candyman's motivation is really weird in the second because yeah, it's like he's my like, witness which is like what does that even mean <laughs> like well, she finds he, out his origin yeah but he, that's what he means he means like be my granddaughter <laughs> yeah I don't and I, I don't like the origin story. No, and that's the thing. It's not. It's not the short story at all. That's mm. completely. But made that, up for a movie. But like, what's so great about an urban legend is like you don't know where it comes from. It like, I, don't, I don't need to know that like he was what like a slave who who fell in love with a white woman. Yeah. His hand was like cut off. A lot of bees came and <laughs> <stumped> him. Yep. <laughs> they smeared honey on him. Some kid called him Candyman. It's like the it's like the campers prank <laughs> where like you know that you like you pour honey all over the poor guy and then tie him to a tree and tell him there's gonna be bears coming. Oh. <laughs> so it was and, and then also just like the the dialogue I thought in the second one wasn't as good it's like the first one but is that what you're looking for when you watch that movie what like when I saw the second one you just wanted to see bees in his chest cavity yeah and there is there is it's the effects were like but I think now that I'm like older I appreciate the first one and like that's that's the kind of movie that I gravitate towards and that's why the sequel that's why the sequel didn't do it for me. Yeah. All right, Drew. So you know you know how this works, right? Like, you pick a number one through ten. No. What? So, so we have our like rubric to use, and we talk about like production, monster quality, scare factor, and you either give it a point or you don't give it a point. 
Or with three people, did we say like we would give it give or take a point? Uh, yeah. What? Well, so out of nine, like you could have eight. So it's like two out of three. Like if yeah, two out of three, you get a point no. or, or or that counts. Eight. Yeah. Okay. Since since this is your guys' thing, you go back and forth. Do the scoring like you normally do. And I'll be a deciding vote. Okay. Okay. Um, well, so first, okay, so if we're talking about the first Candyman, it was released in 1992, directed by Bernard Rose, starring Virginia Madsen as Helen and Tony Todd as the Candyman. So production. So we're on production. So we're looking at things like writing, direction, cinematography, special effects. And making sure that it like accurately represents the iconography and like is hey, I'm a shoe is, guy. A, is a good man. The movie looks and sounds good. <laughs> it, but like it's a good movie. Yeah. Like regardless of all, like the horror aspect, yeah. this no. is like a legitimately good movie. I get ya. And you know what? For the timing and the way it was shot, I think did a great job of like Transporting you from reality to a dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just did it pretty seamlessly for me. So, yeah. did you hear this in the commentary or, or like any behind the scenes stuff? Like, they hypnotized Virginia Madsen anytime Candyman was like, she had a scene with Candyman. They like brought in a hypnotist. I, I didn't know. And would hypnotize her. Wow. So, like, she would have that dreamy look in her eyes. Yeah. It eventually got wow. to be too much where she had to say, like, no, I won't do it anymore because it was apparently, like, working that's on insane. her. But isn't that, yeah, that's crazy. Wow. I did not know that. So, um, yeah, let's, yeah, let's start off there with um, even what's um, up? all the crazy stuff with the production. So it was shot. Thumbs up. Know this it, shot what? It was shot in. It was shot. <laughs> yeah. It was shot in, like, the actual location. They hired on gang members, like real gang members, as extras mm. to be protection while yeah, they're shooting the movie. Because they were so worried about, like. Yeah. And then on the last day of shooting, a sniper shot the production van. That's what it was Whoa. So? So that, I mean. It did a great portrayal of what the areas mm-hmm. yeah, it felt, it felt very authentic. I mean, it is kind of dated. And that it's like really 90s. Oh, it's so 90s. Yeah, but it still, it still feels authentic. And like when Helen is like going there, she feels. I mean, you still get a sense that like she is not part of this. Like she is very much an outsider looking in. Mm-hmm. Well, see, that, so that's one thing with the writing that I was going to ask you about, like. Is it too heavy-handed with, like, the classism and, like, racism that, like, in both movies, especially this one, it's like, she's, like, white savior. Coming white? In. White savior? Yeah. Even with the ending. Okay, I, I did have a problem with, like, the whole baby thing, like, saving the baby. That takes away, like, any kind of moral ambiguity with her. Um, I, w- I wasn't crazy about that. Mm-hmm. 
But I love this idea of like someone who is like trying to assert herself as thank you as like a an observer in a community where she obviously doesn't belong. And um, and yeah, I, I think it works on that on that level. Going was too heavy handed. Do you think it was? Watching it this time, maybe I just noticed it more. And it's like, with the scene where they're first discovering um, that, you know, you can get into the walls through the bathroom mirror, and she, like, opens up her curtains to the skyline, she's like, oh, like, this nice high-rise condo that used to be the projects, it's, like, gentrified. I think it's pretty symbolic that she is going through basically the ghetto looking through her camera but it still feels like you just said like she's still in that high rise even though she's in the camera yeah right which looking is, down yeah looking down upon what's but she ultimately on. becomes the victim right. like right she ultimately that like that dis that distance that she tries to create between herself and the uh, the community, like it eventually dissolves, which That's I think true. is kind of the point. Yeah, like you can't you can't just be like the the white person going into a black community and like not not in some way like become like a part of that. Yeah. You can't keep that distance. So I thought it was interesting. I think I just noticed it more this time. I just really didn't know how to take it all out. Is that because of everything that's going on now? Mm. Or did you just feel overall that it's... I think it's because, like, what... Well, no, like what we were talking about earlier, like my memory of it. So I'm having to wrestle with like my my ten year old. Don't get too excited. <laughs> my, no, I'm having to wrestle with like my twelve year old memory of the movie and being scared yeah. of it and thinking going into it that it was a slasher mm-hmm. type, and then it not being and it being like this really heady. Oh, we'll do separate. Thank you. Chips. You got that? All of it. Perfect. Um, so yeah, I just am like talking through it right now. It really helps. Welcome to your beer. <laughs> you can. Probably get one to go. <laughs> They'll put it in a coffee cup. So. The other question in terms of the writing has to be like, does the, does trying to get that backstory across get in the way? Whereas like in the short story, it doesn't do that. What backstory? So, like the the slave narrative. Mm. Uh, I don't feel I don't I don't feel like it was. Too... It gets in the way of the second one. Yeah, it, like, I mean that's the what the second, second one's one, about. I think it practically ruins the movie for me. But yeah. In the first one, I don't feel like it's too. Uh, it's too much. She is Bloody Mary. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Now, all, all these, like, 
people in crazy costumes are passing us by right now. Yeah. It's incredible. So we had one from Clockwork Orange, yeah, another from American Psycho. So yeah, so I'm inclined. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm inclined. To, I'm inclined to give it a point. For production, it's really well written. Like I love the way that. The dialogue in that one. The whole idea of urban legends is explored. Um, you know, he when she goes to her husband's uh, lecture, he says that I may be misremembering parts of it, but he says like urban legends are the unselfconscious like fears that are are kind of represented in living in a city. Or something like that and so like everything in the movie really feels like it in some way kind of represents fear of living in an urban area and so I I love it and I think the acting's great Virginia Madsen's good Tony Todd is like amazing that's Candyman he's so seductive um, I am gonna give it a point as well three pointer Point for you, too. Andrew Point. Okay. All right. Now, so the next one is monster quality. And so we're looking for um, the monsters that, like, that they have depth. And so we talk about the monsters not just, like, not just, like, your Michael Myers or, in this case, your Candyman, but, like, what other things is it making you afraid of? Okay. <laughs> so that's right, the other so thing. the idea of urban legends, you know. Yeah. Um, and the the idea of like there being some truth in the urban legend. I mentioned before, like that idea of like saying Candyman's name five times in front of a mirror. Uh-huh. Like when you're a kid, that's really scary. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you're invested in. It. Yeah, because you know it's gonna happen. <laughs> Just like it, it is it spells it out for you. So I think I'm wondering though, and that's again like kind of what I was wrestling with with production is that like does it vilify like the ghetto too much, like the product projects too much? Here's this, like. Is it, so just, is, is it a movie that's just making like white people afraid of the inner city? It's a valid question. I don't think so. I mean, because you have the character of that mom who who almost is like, oh, you're coming in here and yeah. like, you know, you're looking just at the gangs, but like there are real people here yeah. who just try to get by. I agree, and I think that character in the um, in the short story too really helps move it along, like, makes it feel. What were you going to say? Uh, I was going to say, so is the monster. So what scares you now? Is it thinking of Candyman with the hook and the bees coming out of his nose and mouth? <laughs> or is it standing in the bathroom looking in that mirror 
in pitch dark, saying Candyman five times. No. Which is scary. Which yeah. is which is the true monster. Well, I think as far as a villain, it's perfect. But the monster of it, I think, is still that unknown. You have to stand there in the mirror and do it. it well, and it's not even. It's not even just standing in the mirror and doing it. It's like it's the it's it's after the fourth time that you say. It. Yeah, you're, right? getting, you're getting down like, to the mic. Are you really there. gonna do this? Yeah. Are you really gonna like try to? Well, I mean, you've already face your fear. You gotta, you gotta go. You gotta do one more. I also I also really love the idea of like living on after you die. Because you died in such a horrific way that people will like point to like where you died and say like, oh, that person, you know, they were like brutally murdered in that apartment, and like that's part of it too. That's until you said that just now, I hadn't thought about like the idea of place being like monstrous and like haunting because that's what it is. It's like it's the site of this like horrible act. Yeah, which is like the whole, like, be my victim, live on forever. Well, and that, man, this is making me think about this movie in a different way. Like, so, man, this this is like early 90s. People under the stairs came out a year before Candyman, and it still has that same where the projects vibe. Of still looking down on what's going on it's in a that good area. Point. It's a good point. And I would say, I mean, was I don't I don't remember 1991 that well. Right. <laughs> um, was that was that the biggest piece of the culture going on at the time? I, mean, I don't know. It's hard to say because I, I feel like it was so ominous, like uh-huh. Candyman. Like everyone was talking about. It. Yeah, but I don't. I mean, surely it wasn't the biggest movie of 1992. Yeah, but it was. I feel like for us, like at that time, like we're the prime age to be daring each other to like go yeah. to the bathroom. Well, and it's like my older brother saw the movie, and it's like so he told me what it's about. And now I'm telling you, which is like the same thing that like which is what the, it's about. Is about. What I was going to say before that, like, made me now think about this differently is, like, by by being afraid or assigning places like these places is, like, don't go there and, like, making them into monsters. Mm -hmm. Are we, like, perpetuating, like, whatever crimes or whatever that are going to happen there or incidents, right? Yeah. So if, like... Let's say, like, in your town, like, every town has an urban legend where you drive, like, past a graveyard or, or a bridge or body water and there's going to be a baby crying yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, by going to those places and vid- visiting and, like, buying into the legend, are we, like, just perpetuating it? Like, if we didn't say it. Yeah. Well, and I think that's something that the movie raises because, I mean, you could argue that all of this is taking place in our head. Right? Yeah. And so, like, that ambiguity of... Uh, down here, brother. You should you for your... Uh, 
Did you just have a shot on it? Hey, put that towards your investment. Um, good man. So, give me a beer. So yeah, so I feel like. Well, let's let's talk about let's talk about Candyman. Wait, let's talk about Coke. We were really good on the monster part. I know we're still talking about the monster, but we talked about the monsters that are not like. Okay, so now we're talking about the specific Candyman. Yeah, legend slash character as a character. Pimp coat. All consideration. Pimp coat. Are you you're going to give a point to the pimp coat? It's the with the fur. The coat with the fur. It's the. It's iconic. Like it's. It, it is a weird choice. Like, when I was a kid, my idea of the Candyman was, like, completely different than what is actually in the movie. What, okay, so what say it? more about that. What did it look like? Oh, I, I have no idea. But now if I say Candyman, I think of Tony Todd in this yeah. <laughs> But it, it works. It works because what what's in the movie that is not in, like, the legend that was passed around when I was a kid is, like, idea of like seduction yeah um, um and so like I, I love how like Tony Todd is like this super handsome dude who's like being so seductive but he also has a hook for a hand and he like <laughs> is scared <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> it really is. <laughs> you shed a lot of blood. Oh yeah, it's all over the hook hand. All over. Yeah, the and then when you finally like when he finally opens his coat and it's like the bees and his ribs and stuff, I thought that was really cool. So like, yeah, I like everything about yeah. his look. And it has all of the like essential parts of the story there. So whether it's the dialogue from the short story or those images or the murders, and I can't wait to the bathroom ones. So yeah, for monster quality, I think I am because I think he's one of the, the great horror icons. You can't not give it a point. Yeah, and it clearly has depths because we're talking about all these other things like social class. Yeah, I I'm gonna give it a point too. Hey, it's a slam dunk. <laughs> slam dunk point. Well, to be quite honest, the man and the killer clowns from outer space shirt. But. <laughs> Involving a hook, a trench coat, and a beast. 
<laughs> right. And like, just, like if they're, if what they're, an odd combination, but you know what? Oh, did, you, can't pick, you can't pick one of those three. A hook hand, beautiful coat we've talked about, may need dry cleaner. But most importantly is those bees that work. It's a trifecta um, that you can't even touch on. We didn't even but, talk about the bees. Yeah, yeah. but I, what I, I also love about this is, like, if they were to do a remake, Candyman would be completely different because Tony Todd himself, like, he's not hiding behind makeup. Like, it's, it's just him and his, like, soulful eyes. Yeah. Like, you know, looking, well, yeah, like, looking at you and staring at you. Just growling. Like, you know what? I actually have not been to the movie theater in quite some time, but I would spend a total, you know, $40, take my fiance <laughs> to go see a remake of Candyman. And you know what? If Rob Zombie redid it, I'd be really happy. I would absolutely see it, but like, it would have to be a completely different kind of Candyman. Yeah. yeah. No, right. I mean, it would have to be, a, I think, a reboot of the origin. Yes. Like the second movie tries to do. I think it could be a I, a nice, you know, it could even be a prequel in my eyes. Because be the legend was the legend was there before she was there. But I, I just think the I, first one. Yeah, I think it's a really cool choice that like they didn't cover his face with prosthetics. Like it yeah. just it because you know, they, yeah, they, they knew could've what gone, was going on in, well, no. underneath that trench coat. <laughs> but I think, I think that's an important distinction because like he still looks good, which adds to the seduction piece. Because yeah. they could have easily said, okay, let's make him look like how he died. So he's like covered in honey, <laughs> like yeah, bee stings it, all over his face. <laughs> like it would be a completely different movie. Hey babe, come hang out with me. I can't resist this. Okay. Be my victim. All right. So you need to make a decision here. Pop my bee stings. Um. I th- I'm gonna give it a point. Give it a point. Okay. Convince me. All right. So, moving on to scare factor. So we gotta go scare scare factor. And the hard part about scare factor is that it has to not only have the intent to scare, it also has to be successful from beginning to end. Like you were scared from beginning to end. Or thank you, thank you so much. I mean, another way that we have interpreted that idea. Excuse me. That idea of beginning to end is like what happens in the beginning also leads to more effective scares, like throughout the film. Because sometimes horror movies they start slow because one in innocence and error. We're coming off the Hitchcock episode. Yeah, like we know that that's a thing. But that's a way I, to interpret it for the pure fact that it is just so damn slow. I mean, it starts it so like early, it, I, early I, on. I you get that scene, that scene with Ted Rainey, like the the legend of you know the girl who like you know is in her bathroom and she says she says Candyman five times and it, you know he kills her. Ted Rainey comes up and finds her dead. So you get an early scene of horror. I I, I get the, but the it's, pacing. It's hard to figure. Yeah, it's just hard to figure out where it's going. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wish. I wish instead of starting with the lecture for that, I wish it would have done like the short story and just started with her um, research. Like, what if it? Imagine the movie if it had just started with her. I mean, in it Kimberly gets. Green. But it gets like, it gets there really quickly where she's investigating the place, um, and I, I just love that whole like where she's crawling. Through mm-hmm. the hole in the wall, and it's like his m- mouth, 
um, her whole experience in that in the public housing place. It's the best part of the short story. Too. I really, I really like it because not only do you get like the whole Candyman character and mythology, but like but we're you also. Scared. I mean, I I think I would give it a point for scare factor. I think it's even when it's not like dealing with specifically Candyman, it's dealing with this like white woman who is obviously not in a place where she is safe because you get these like scenes where like she's in the bathroom and like all these guys come um and it's you know she gets beaten and and so just like this idea of like someone who's like being an outside observer in this community where she's she's not she really shouldn't be there she's not safe there um so that tension i think is is present throughout i agree that's kind of what we've been i feel like we've been talking about this lately for the past few rounds is like it, whatever you want to call that feeling where like you're feeling bothered yes it's like are we acknowledging scare factor as like that eerie creepy unsettled feeling that you have from the beginning you feel scared? unsettled is that yeah. scared? I know that's no. That's exactly what we've been talking about. Like, does that still count? I think so. I, I think feeling if it's unnerved. making you feel something, if it's making you feel unnerved, like through most of the movie, then yeah, it's well, it's like the, it goes the back, racism it goes back was kind of making me feel unnerved. The ten-year-old, ten but I think that's that a point. But I think that's a point. The, the ten-year-old version of me would give it a point on heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Now. Just as you've grown as a critic, so have I. Yeah. I have just, I feel like I've seen what, like, for me personally, scares the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. And that just doesn't quite do And especially since you said it's got to be from the beginning to end. Does it freak you out that she wakes up in a whole big house of blood? But it is just a dog's Yeah. It's scary. But just, you know, in a new reflection for traveling extensively by myself and being in the middle of nowhere. There are some of those situations in movies I've seen that scares me. Oh. I can see that. Yeah. But a small town in North Dakota. The second half of the movie definitely gets scarier, but that's what you want. This is suburbia in Indiana. Yeah, but I, I think you need that beginning to, like, build to that. Yeah. So, like, by the time that she's, like, in the police station having to take her clothes off and she's like traumatized like you feel like you feel her terror in that moment yeah it's really like you need those you need those early scenes to like have the depth of but does it have you on the edge of your seat terror the entire time did it have any big jump moments for you? When you, when See, you I don't need jump moments. Re- re- because the second one, the, the like, second one is full of really cheap jumps. And the sound that's with it, it's like, yeah. It's like, but like, yeah, you don't need that. I like the gradual escalation of the first movie, where like it just builds and builds. Yeah. But it, what's scarier? Is it, is it the build from the beginning? You're considering that scary? I, no, I, I think I think the the build in the beginning it, it's necessary for the later scares. So like even if 
the very beginning like isn't scary by itself like it adds to the scares like later in the movie it's, so it comes down to that question of, so is the scariest part of the movie you Not knowing coming out of the fire you knowing that the guy is behind the door with a knife and she hasn't gotten there yet or is it when he pops out that's that's the question at hand. Like, is that build? Is that tension? The scary part, or is the yeah. moment when he jumps out? Because like some I'm, of the, the other more movies, we talk about this, I'm thinking like it's the yeah. build. Some of the other movies that we have in the canon are like the Blair Witch Project. Like the first what 10, 15 minutes, it's not scary, but it's necessary in order to like have the scary moments later on. Or or like Evil Dead Two, or like anything that we have in the canon, like. The beginning is not always like necessarily like scary, but it you, you have to like build the characters. You have to get to know them so that you care and so that you are scared. Like later in the movie, when when scary things actually start happening. I agree with on that. So I think. But part- was it? Were you scared when she got beat up in the bathroom? I and then finally, yes. well, finally yeah. there's a and reveal there's, like, of you think who she is. Yeah. I mean, I was but, surprised. Okay. But, it, but she already knows that that's not the real Canaan. That's not the man from her that she's been right. flashing. Right, but like, that's, that's still just like... But then she had to be standing not, there like, okay, well, you know, I'm obviously fucked here. But, yeah, like, and that's scary. She, like, she had to look at him and go, you're not the guy. It's not just Candyman that is like scary about that. It's, it's this, you know, person who is going into this community that is actively hostile towards her. And it, you know, she has been told, like, you shouldn't go there, it's really dangerous. And she goes there anyway, and that, like, that's what happens. You know, you could imagine, like, going... Well, you could just imagine going to a place, like, in Indianapolis, where, like, you know, it's like, this is a dangerous place. And then you finally have, like, you're in the bathroom, people start, like, piling in, like, you know, like, oh, I really shouldn't be here. Like oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. So, so part of it for the ending for me, and like what bothers me is again like that white savior thing where it's different from the short story. So in the short story, the baby that she goes to save is dead. She watches the baby, baby's corpse like burning in the pile. I like that much better. <laughs> no, I, I, do, I, do, I do. I do. That's, first, oh, that's I, the first I've heard about it. And yeah. I agree. It would be much because, better. like, having to save the baby, it just takes away any like moral ambiguity she has of exactly. being seducted by the baby man. It's just like, oh, now it's, you're you're like she all has good to save yeah. because yeah. you have to save the baby. Yep. It would have been a much bigger. It would have been a much like bigger punch. Uh, but at the at the yeah. ending, had that. Okay. but the oh, that's that the thing does, is they can't show like a, a baby's corpse burning. right but the fact that she does die and she essentially like fulfills the legend that Candyman wanted her yeah to fulfill like that to become that story I mean that's what happens at the end yeah. it's a new story yeah alright well I feel like you guys just listen and say that yeah, I'm gonna give a point. I have to do. I feel like we have to put this in. We have to put this in just like we would with like we haven't even talked about Halloween yet, but like anything or Nightmare on Elm Street or yeah. any of those. He's one of the. 
tops. All right, so it's in there. Okay. In the All right, so more from the Horror Hound Weekend Fest. We're going to the panel with Candy Man Tony Todd now. Okay, so we are now leaving Horror Hound. Um, we're in the car, so you might hear some GPS. There, there we go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, since we last recorded, we saw the Candyman panel, and uh, we walked around some more, and we saw a movie called Lace Crater. So let's talk about the panel first, and then we're going to get into um, some reviewing. So um, yeah. what did you think? So I, I, I think the, the panel was really insightful, especially like getting to hear from the director. I wish they would have talked more about um, the experience of filming. That was one of the questions that I would have asked. Uh, yeah. Because that's part of sort of like the even the lore of the film is like how they had to deal with the basically at least what I've like read online is they had to hire on the gangs of Cabrini Green in Chicago to be extras in the first Candyman movie sort of as protection so I wanted to hear more about that um but overall it it was exciting to hear about um their experiences filming I mean Mm -hmm. I feel like we got to hear a decent bit from Tony Todd but I mean really (laughs) that it was dominated by the director yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, but he said some really interesting things. Yeah. Um, let's see. He said, what's the point of a PG-13 horror movie? A horror movie should be transgressional. I really I like thought, that. Yeah, I thought that was spot on. Yeah. Um, this idea that, you know, a horror movie should be edgy. It should try to push the boundaries um, in some way. I, I really like that. Um, he also said, by the end of a horror movie, you're supposed to identify with the villain, which is why sequels don't work, because there's nowhere to go. Um, I think that's very relevant to the sequel to Candyman, yeah. which we'll talk about. <laughs> I laughed out loud when he said that, because I was thinking it, about the sequel to Candyman. It felt like a dig to Candyman, yeah. uh, too. Um, and also, he said something else that was interesting. Candyman only goes where he's wanted. There's a need to believe there's something worse out there. Yeah. What do you think about that? This idea that, like, you have to summon him. He doesn't just appear. Right. But he goes where people want him to be. Right. Because they're looking for something more. Because they're, like, they're not scared by their everyday or whatever. Uh-huh. And I think in. That's something in the first movie that I think we were talking about before is that, like, it not only makes Candyman scary, but it makes the reality of poverty and the projects scary, too. Yeah. And so it's like people people in Cabrini Green are not bringing on the Candyman. Like, you know what I mean? It's the, it's the woman who's doing the research... Who's invoking him? Right. And Bernard Rose um, said a couple times that you know the the archetypal fear here is poverty. 
is like the fear of poverty. Um, and so that was really, that was really insightful and interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was a good panel. Um, I think we both agreed that Tony Todd could like read us stories to sleep. Yeah. Like he, <laughs> his voice, his voice is just, it's just so low. It was hard to hear sometimes, but, um, yeah, very dulcet tones. Yeah. Um, well, cool. So let's let's talk about the sequel then. Oh, yeah. So we can get in. Well, should we talk about the short story first? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Why don't we do okay. that? So to follow up from the original, and I guess this will the short story will inform like a commentary on the sequel too. So, Clive Barker. Yes. This was in um, one of his books of blood. Um, it's a short story called The Forbidden. And I believe it was published in 1985. It was mid-80s, I believe. I didn't realize that it was that early. I could be wrong. I don't have my notes with me. But, um, yeah, I think that's when that volume was published. Like, mid, mid to late 80s. So I feel like the, with the short story, if we start with the production... Make sure that the the writing, the characterization, is on point. I mean, Clive Barker's a master. Yeah. Even I feel like I feel like with with all of his short stories, like before we were talking about the Hellbound Heart, he's just really good at like bringing in all these horror elements into the small space. Mm-hmm. And I really liked in this short story that it's you know kind of confined to that particular like neighborhood yeah there yeah um and i really like the the lyricism of of it um i felt the same way in hellbound heart like when you read clive barker and then you read someone else you just you can tell that like there's this really beautiful uh, poetry that Clive Barker conveys. Um, you know, this... Uh, otherwise, I don't think it would be quite as effective. Um, this idea of an urban legend. Um, in this story, it's it's someone who's researching, like, graffiti. graffiti. Yeah. Um, graffiti. Yeah, which I don't think is as effective as what they do in the movie where she's researching urban legends. Yeah. That, it just makes more sense. It's just more, like, in the short story, it's more of, like, a subtext thing. With yeah. The urban legend than it is in the movie. In the movie, it's overt. I mean, that's what it starts with, with that lecture. Yeah. Um, but you still get a lot of the same things in in sure. the short story that you get in the movie, like the, uh, the hole in the wall with the spray-painted uh, face... Um, all the all the murders, all the images are the exact same. Yeah, and a lot of the dialogue from Candyman will be my victim. You know, why um, why live when you can uh, you know die but still live on forever mm-hmm. in the minds of you know people. Um, so that whole thing was was really interesting, and and you still get some like seduction, although I think that's amped up in the movie um i thought it was a really well-written story i'm gonna give it a point yeah i have to give it a point for the writing sure okay so then let's move on to monster quality 
yeah, monster quality. Uh, looking at it, I mean, the the tough part for me with monster quality with this is that like the actual character of the Candyman uh-huh. doesn't get introduced until like it's like twenty pages. Yeah, in the in like the short story itself is like thirty seven pages. So it's just like talk of some sort of like being, but he's not introduced as himself or the Candyman until way later in the story. Yeah, but I sort of like that because you get he's just like the legend. I, I mean, you get the woman who's exploring um, that area, and you know she hears like, oh, someone like was killed, like an old man was killed, you know, in the next building. Or something, and then so she investigates that, and so it's quite kind of about her like slowly hearing like these different, uh, slowly hearing about these different murders that happened, and then we see the Candyman appear, and so I like how you get this sense of of place and um, of like hearing hearing the stories first. Before the name Candyman is uttered. Yeah, well, I, and, and to that point, I think that having it be a slow build, I think that uh, it lets the real monster shine through. Like, the whole classist thing comes through very much in the beginning when it's talking about, like, the dinner party uh-huh. it's going to have with, like, the university people. Right. Um, and so kind of going with what the director was saying having poverty be like the real monster in that um, I think that's at the forefront and then Candyman sort of just shows up at the end um, so I think that's effective for sure yeah and giving it depth right so I'm inclined to give it a point yeah absolutely okay so then let's go on to scare factor it's scary uh, that's the thing. It's because it takes so long for the monsters to show up. Um, I guess it's scary in parts where she's, like, exploring the underbelly of, of like, the, like, the different apartment buildings and things like that, like the derelict. But, like, I don't know. It, it's not until, like, the end with, like, the seduction. But that's only, literally, that's, like, five pages the whole thing right which like i love i love that seduction though because you get i think it it comes across really well in the story that like when she is killed like she will become a legend she'll be another thing that people talk about they'll point to that building and say oh that woman was killed there or in this case it was with the bonfire um okay so when you were growing up was there any place like that for you? Like, you heard that, like, there was someone who was killed, or there was a killer, like, any... So, yeah. it well, so, like, so I grew up in, like, southern Indiana, and there's this hospital in Evansville, and actually I have this book of Indiana Tales that talks about this. It's okay. this hospital where... Basically, what happened was it shut down due to funding, and all of the corpses were left there. And so, what somebody either like uh, it was either vandalism or something like somebody went in there and 
like took out all the corpses and then one day they found them all like in the field like in compromising positions and in the buildings and stuff like that oh wow <laughs> it's, it's really missing. so that and that hospital still exists so that's one place where like people always dared each other to go and, like we went and like shined flashlights inside the buildings and stuff like that it's just all run down okay um i'm from westfield just north of indianapolis and we had a serial killer um there was a guy who would pick young men up um and take them home and murder them and he would bury their bodies in his backyard and he had like a family they never knew what and so he lived this crazy double life and so the reason the story works for me is because even though, you know, the Candyman is very, is very specific, like it has its own mythology, like everyone has a story like that. Like, oh, that place in town, don't go to because, you know, that's haunted or something right. horrible happened. Right. And so to me, as I was reading the story, it just evoked all of that for me. Yeah. And, and the way that it was realistically portrayed, it just added to it. And, you know, once we actually have the Candyman um, in the story, I, I just love that whole idea of the seduction, the idea of now, being like, my victim. Like I said before, it just turns into, like, a Dracula story for me. Yeah. Um, so I think Scare Factor, I, I don't know. I, like, I don't think I can give it a point. Because, like, it just takes too long for me. Okay. To get there. All right. Well, I'm I'm gonna give it a point. Um, so that means it's not in the canon, but in honorable mention. Yeah, I think okay. so. I think it's definitely one to read, and like, I feel like it does a better job. Like, think about, you know, I like movies like I know what you did last summer. Yeah. Like it's trying to do what this does, yeah. but this does it much better. Yes. Okay, so now let's move on to the sequel to Candyman. Candyman, Farewell to, to the, the Flesh. flesh. Oh um, that was released in 1995, directed by Bill Condon, starring Tony Todd as Candyman uh, and Kelly Rowan as Annie. What do you think? Production. So for production, I actually thought the production of this, in terms of, the, in, I'm just thinking special effects. There was much more put into the special effects. I don't know if they're effective, but there's a lot more, like, tries. <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's like you have, like, the, like, each time somebody gets killed and the way that they're actually killed, like cutting them and blood spurting out. There's a lot more gore in this mm -hmm. one than there is in the first one. Um, like when he appears to uh, the protagonist and like she like scratches his face and the bees fly out and all that. Like there's a lot more tries. Yeah. I don't know if they're successful though. Um, it felt a, it felt more shallow to me yeah. um, and I can't remember if we mentioned this when we were originally talking about Candyman but like the idea of Candyman's terrifying the original movie when I first watched it I was like what is this slow like mm. 
weird movie. Um, the second one, it's much more like what I initially thought the Candyman movie That's exactly would be, it. Yes. Where it does feel more of a slasher. But I, I think that hurts the film because yeah, I, it's shallow. Yeah, and it's like the jump scares in oh, this movie. Man. Oh my gosh. Awful. Yes. Because, like, it uses. Which I'm finding that I like this less and less. Like, if a movie uses a sound effect as the jump scare. Yeah. It, I just, like, it's annoying anymore. So it's like the screechy, like, bing! Like, yeah. hand on your shoulder. It's so dumb. It is. It's... Because it's never, it never pays off. It's always, like, in this movie, in the sequel, it's never, like, it's never Candyman. It's never any of the action. That sound and those jump scares only come when it's not. When it's, like, her. <coughs> not scary. Or her husband sneaking behind her. Yes. Yeah. Um, quick note about the dialogue. I thought the dialogue was really bad in this. Um, I love the the dialogue in the original. Here I'll read something that Candyman says. Um, the pain, I can assure you, will be exquisite. As for our debts, there's nothing to fear. Our names will be written on a thousand walls. Our crimes told and retold by our faithful believers. We shall die together in front of their very eyes and give them something to be haunted by. Come with me and be immortal. <laughs> like, that's, like, beautiful and disturbing. Um, and in the sequel, it is... <laughs> it does not have that. It has a line. This, this is a line from the sequel. Swallow your horror and I and let it nourish you. Come with me and sing the song of misery. Like going from the first thing I read to like sing a song of misery. Yeah. What? That's lame. It's yeah. I, the dialogue is so lame, and it's like. That what's so hard about the sequel in terms of the writing is that it's got great names of actors like the actors are great but the dialogue is awful yeah. so it makes the acting seem bad it does but the actors aren't bad it's just the writing that's bad right and I just I don't think Tony Todd has enough to do here he more just like shows up yeah um and a pretty voice. you know well yeah like his motivation is not very clear here. Um, he says, be my witness. Like he wants, he wants her to understand where he came from. But beyond that, I don't get why. Yeah. Why is he doing what he's doing? And also in the first one. So urban legends are this unselfconscious fear of living in the city or you know mm -hmm. whatever that quote is here it's a literal mirror that has to be broken yes, that's so annoying that, that is the the you know origin of his power and, and why why are the why is it set in new orleans other than to give it that superstition i have no idea now when we talked about southbound you you said something about liking when like a DJ will like kind of narrate a little bit. Yeah. What do you think about this one? Because there's 
There's a DJ that narrates here, too. <laughs> I died. I'm not for it in this movie. I, yeah. I just feel like everything is so forced yeah. in it. It's like they want to force... It's, it's like somebody who... The sequel, they wanted to do the origin of Candyman. Yeah. Right? right. That's and what it, this is about. And it's lame. Like, it, it's so unnecessary. Yeah. And that's what uh, Bernard Rose was talking about at the panel. Like, once you once you know the villain in the original movie, like, where, where else can you go in the sequel? And, and I feel like it's oversharing in the sequel. Like, I don't need to know that it was, like, an actual slave who was in love with a white woman his hand was cut off and yeah. covered in honey and a bunch of bees came and stung him to death. Like, it's lame. Yeah. It, it, you don't need that for it to be scary. I Like, even, even with that, like... In a half mile. The, the, whereas in the first one, it's graffiti. Like, uh-huh. this one, it's murals. Like, Michelangelo painted oh, those paints yeah. of like these like, southern gothic pictures. Right, but right next to like just tagging. Yeah. It makes it, no it sense. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I'm not gonna give it a point for production. No, I it just doesn't add up. I, I think it, it it's like when you watch the first one, all those questions yeah, you have like, who is Candyman? Where did he uh-huh. come from? And, and then later on in the movie, you're like, well, I don't care because it's still uh-huh. scary. Anyway, in this one, it just took all those questions that you have in the beginning. It's like, well, let's answer them. Yeah. It, and it's unnecessary. <clears throat> okay. So moving on to monster quality. Kind of going along the same lines, I think the origin story kind of hurts hurts the character of Candyman. All of those, all of the... Uh... All of the, the qualities of the monster we said in the beginning that gave it depth, so thinking about poverty, mm-hmm. racism, are not so much in this movie. Right. For being in New Orleans, it's very white. Did you notice that? Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it takes place <coughs> on a plantation. Oh, yeah. For the most part. Like, it, it is. It's <clears throat> So, right yeah, here. it really lacks the depth of... Of the original, and like I said, when Candyman appears, it's more just like he shows up um, there, and that's it. Like there's really nothing else to it. Um, so I'm not going to give it a point. No, it, it, like we were saying before, it was like when we first saw the original Candyman, we expected it to be this slasher that the second one is, and I think we're happy that it wasn't this one yeah does that make sense no it makes so much sense because like now that we're older we can appreciate the first one like so much more yeah and it it's more intellectual and and scarier because of the great writing and the slower pace um yeah whereas the sequel it's what i was expecting when i was a kid but it it's just lame and shallow yeah so no, I'm not gonna give it a point, even though like I don't know, I, I like I like Candyman as a character. But I just it, this one does not do it justice. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> there's nothing scary about a cursed mirror. No. So, no. Okay. Well, then that takes well, us into scare factors. I guess we're so. not going to watch Oculus, then. Because <laughs> that's oh. what that whole movie is about. Well, I guess I, I shouldn't say that there's nothing scary about a cursed mirror, but just the way that the cursed mirror is presented in this yeah. one. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. Oculus right. wasn't bad. I know. We'll I like talk about that. That's why. Yeah. That's why <laughs> okay. So, scare factor. Uh, this is an easy one for me. Not scary. No, it's not. It's just cheesy. And, and just all, all the jump stairs that you mentioned earlier, it becomes irritating. It is. And it's like, I go back to kind of the soundtrack again. It's like using that sound effect as the jump scare. It just does not work. It's so hokey. Yeah. So I, I yeah I can't I can't say there's any scare factor, okay, there. So we put it in the diaper. I think it belongs in Papa's dirty diaper. I think it does too. So this is another one in Papa's dirty diaper. Okay. <laughs> I don't even want it. Yeah. All right. So now um, let's talk about the movie that we just saw um, yeah. at uh, the Horror Hound convention. It's called Lace Crater. Um, and I'll look up the, some of the information, but let's uh, let's get into production. So let's go into production. In terms of the writing, um, something you pick up in the first like twenty minutes is like you're like, well, is this mumblecore? Yep, yeah. it is because Joe Swanberg is a producer um, and also an actor in it, um, and so you get that right off the bat. And I think it's just a, I think I just think it's personal taste, whether you're into mumblecore uh-huh. or not um i think in terms of adding to the drama it works like i've seen a couple other movies like drinking buddies um and uh, like we looked it up the whatever the one about christmas is mm-hmm. um i think that works especially in the christmas one um where you get these awkward interactions between like old friends or even new acquaintances that have one night stands or whatever i think mumblecore as a as a writing device works there um if it just totally to me at least in this movie it makes the movie sort of drop dead yeah the the like flow and the pace of the movie completely falls flat once that that sort of like typical dialogue starts happening yeah um so just real quick we're talking about lace crater um which was originally released in 2015 directed by harrison atkins um starring Lindsay burge as ruth um peter vack as michael jennifer clint kim as claudette um and yeah i i agree with you um i i thought mumblecore too at the beginning and it did not work. I, I really hated the first 15 minutes or so of this movie. Um, it reminded me of something that I listened to that, uh, yeah, I listened to the commentary on Green Room. Um, mm-hmm. And so the director of Green Room, Jeremy Saulnier, um, he, he said something really insightful in that. He said that, you know, when he writes dialogue, um, he is writing dialogue that is true to the characters in their environment. And he hates it when uh, characters are talking about things in a movie that like they wouldn't be talking about in real life. Um, and it's usually because like the audience needs to know some information 
and so it's like, why are these characters saying like what they already know? You know, mm-hmm. um, and so I think he does it very well in Green Room, and I think in the movie The Invitation, I think that like party scene with a group of friends yeah. is done so well because you're first you're introduced to the protagonist, the main character, and then you kind of see the rest of the party members through the lens of that character. Whereas in this movie, I really didn't know who the main character was until until she had sex with the ghost. Because yeah. at, at the beginning, it's just like, you know, you hear this guy, he's going on and on about, like, does he like being in law? And I'm like, who is this guy? Yeah. And he's not important. No, no. And all. so it just... I, I get that, like, it's it feels real because you get this group of friends who are just casually talking to each other. But the way it's done, I agree, it falls flat because you just you don't know who to care for. And um, and, and, and yeah, it, it's just very dull. That's what I mean. Like, it works in a different genre, I think. I really like those scenes where... Like in different Joe Swanberg movies, where um, the characters are having to improvise based on like the moment that's written in the script. Like I like mm-hmm. that, but here, like you said, it just makes it confusing in the beginning, yeah. and then yeah, you don't know if she's the protagonist until she has sex with the ghost. And yeah. there, there are these very like comical moments in it, which I think are effective, where mm-hmm. they're just like awkward first date kind of sitting on the bed talking to the ghost okay yeah so once the ghost entered i was totally on board yes like i really enjoyed that sequence because you have this guy who's just kind of dressed up in a burlap sack right um and he's a very like self-conscious awkward ghost and it's funny like Mm -hmm. it's played for laughs and it's it's meant to be funny and awkward and kind of sweet and I think that whole sequence totally works. Um, and then you get, um, you know, scenes where she's back at her place. And, like, there's this whole sequence where her friend, Claudette, uh, comes to her place and asks about, you know, is it okay if I pursue a relationship with Andrew? And I was like, who's Andrew? Like, why was that not better established at the beginning? Like, yeah, I feel that's, I, like, such a missed opportunity to get, like, those character dynamics in the first 15 minutes. Right. Yeah, it makes it confusing because, like, her original ex-boyfriend, yeah, that's kind of established. And then the guy she's kind of into is who she gets asked about. And it's, like, there's too many, <laughs> too many dots to connect. Yeah. Yeah, so I, despite, like, having some really entertaining scenes, um, I mean, I think everyone in the little room was was laughing when she was searching, like, Googling, like, STD with ghosts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, there's some really, yeah, there's some, like, really original, you know, ideas that are fun in the movie, but I'm inclined to not give it a point because of the way it was put together. Yeah, because I don't think it knows what it is. Yeah, and, like, what was the whole thing about, like, The Sims? That was another part of it, like... She was, like, really into playing The Sims. 
or I don't, I, yeah, it was unclear whether it was The Sims or it was supposed to be some sort of like made up dating site or something like that where you can have an avatar or something like that. Oh. I didn't know if they could talk to each other. I, I don't know. It was, or maybe, maybe it was supposed to be her like searching for something like outside of the normal world so that's why she's seeking the like sex with the ghost yeah, that's but I'm, I'm really... like i'm stretching yeah I'm like <laughs> trying to find something uh-huh and also there are a lot of there are a few scenes where like there there's really weird camera work where it looks like they put the camera on some kind of filter that seemed out of place too yeah, because it wanted to, like, distort reality. Yeah. And I, I feel like that was just a side note to what was really going on. Yeah, so I guess, like, the tone it is kind of all matched. over the place. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so, I can't give it a point. Okay. Uh, so what about monster quality? Monster quality, I was having a hard time. Besides the ghost, who were the monsters? So Even, even STD. So even, like, in, like, It Follows, mm-hmm. like, very clear. Yeah. Um, all of those different like connections and metaphors that we can make, but here not so much. She just—it's not so much an STD as like maybe she's pregnant. Like it was just a bunch of pregnant stuff. Right. Um. I. I liked everything with the ghost. I've said that already. Like yeah. I, I. I think that stuff is is really interesting and charming. So I'm inclined to give it a point because of that. Outside of the ghost itself, like what is, like what is the larger metaphor there? I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I mean, it's weird that she goes to a party with her ex-boyfriend, um, and that's kind of where everything goes south for her, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, she like vomits the black blood stuff on the right. ground. So I guess there's this. There's a sense of, like, um, kind of being the person in your group of friends that everyone is just starting to, like, be, I don't know, disgusted by or, like, kind of being moved, like, they're they're moving away from you um, because of poor choices, I guess. Yeah, Um, but you're reaching. I am reaching. I am. (laughs) That's that's the thing. It's really hard to, like, pick a monster in this because it doesn't even because even by the end can you say that the like the sex with the ghost is like deemed monstrous like it's not it's not not condoned right you know? so my my impression is that she dies at the end and right. she like kind of runs off with the ghost to right end. Although her body's never found. Right. Um, and so, yeah, what is that trying to say about her? Know. Like, you're better off dead? I, I, I don't know. That's, I, don't I know. can't give it a point because it's so unclear. Like, we have a ghost. It is, yeah. Despite liking the but I do like how the ghost. But I think like that's more ghost. production. I think that's more production, like, the portrayal of the ghost. Well, I'd consider that more monster quality monster, because okay. it's like it, you know what is the ghost about but like it's you said we enough. can't really yeah we can't really get into it any deeper than surface level yeah. so okay so no points for monster quality uh scare factor there's no obviously scare factor. It's, it, it's there's not an scary. intent to scare no no 
not at all. No. I mean, I wouldn't put this in Pawpaw's dirty diaper. No, I feel no, like it's, no. it's trying to... I feel like it's one of those that definitely belongs in the genre, but it's trying to do something different. Yeah, it's trying to play I, on the drama. I like I like it when movies are able to kind of stretch the boundaries of the genre and try something new, subvert, you know, tropes in that. But I, I think this, even though there's a, a good idea at the core, the way that it's executed just falls flat for me. Yeah. In the only way, it's not, even in addition to meeting the ghost, it's definitely cliche where it's like the character, the character's trying to like leave her reality through like, through drugs and stuff. I mean, there's a lot of alcohol use. They like drop Molly. They, um, she like is like taking bong hits. Yeah. And she's obsessed with the Sims, which is like, Totally yeah. addicted. Have you played The Sims? Uh, yes. Oh, the game the is first, yeah. yeah, so when addictive. When The Sims first came out, I think I spent like 12 hours at a time yeah. playing it. Oh, yeah. S- stupid. <laughs> High school me doing that. Okay. Um, I got in a lot of trouble for that. Oh, really? <laughs> with my parents, yeah. But anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I feel like it's all cliche stuff, though. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, I don't think it belongs in the diaper. I think it is, you know its own thing but yeah for our purposes it does not fit no okay i and that's the thing would you give it to somebody who who is uninitiated no 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 okay so all right so it's not there but let's talk about our picks yes for so what we're going to do for the month of october is we will be uh selecting a movie a week Mm -hmm. um to um, to watch that week. Yes, and just like our original uh, month in October, uh, we're going to be releasing episodes on a weekly basis because yep. it's October. Yep. Horror movies. And I think, and I think the, the way that I chose mine is it's ones that I want to defend. Yes. So we are going to use all of the uh, persuasion techniques <laughs> that are available to us, and uh, we're both picking movies that are probably in, in some way like controversial picks for the canon, but we we are willing to defend their status that they should yep. be in the canon, and so um, that's that's going to be our yeah. our October theme. Yeah. So check out the website for the order. But um, let's go ahead and talk about our choices. Okay. So I'm going to give you my first two choices. Okay. And then a runner-up, and then if you decide that you would rather do the runner-up than than like one of the choices, we'll do that. Okay. Okay. So my two choices: Killer Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs> I know my brother was wearing a shirt at the yeah. festival. Let me go ahead uh-huh. and put it out there because I feel okay. like. And you're willing to defend that? I'm gonna defend it because I feel like there are scenes in that movie that are so gosh darn scary. Oh. Okay. Okay. okay, so I'm going to put that out there. And then my second one is a little bit more obvious, like, um, just because we were talking about Rob Zombie movies that you haven't seen, uh-huh. so I want to do House of a Thousand Corpses. Okay, okay, good. And then my runner-up, mm-hmm. which could be substituted, yeah. Frighteners, with Ooh. Michael J. Fox. Have you yeah. seen that? Oh, a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. I wow. feel like that's one to debate. Okay, okay. 
Um, so what I'm thinking right now is um, a classic gory film called 2000 Maniacs. I know. Uh, you've yeah. seen that? I haven't seen it. Okay, but I know I, it. Yeah, I remember we we talked about it because I had seen it like I saw it a few months ago and it's one that I really want you to watch and I think there'll be plenty to discuss um another choice is Cabin in the Woods which yeah I've seen that yeah I know that we've both seen um but I think I remember talking with you one time about how like you don't think it's it's canon worthy so we'll have to get into that I think those are great choices. Okay. All yeah. right. So how what are we going to watch first? I think we... Just want to start with Killer Clowns from Outer let's Space? Let's just do it. And we'll let's... just alternate? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. We'll do, like, my pick and then your pick and okay. then go back and forth. So Killer Clowns from Outer Space <laughs> That's next time. That's our next one. In the first week of October. Yes. Great. Okay. So, yeah. So thanks for uh, sticking with us for the Horror Hound uh, Festival Weekend. Um, check out unoyasolstice.com for more episodes, E-U-N-O-I-A-S-O-L-S-T-I-C-E, um, and we will see you in a couple weeks. Pencils down, the terror test is over. <laughs> <laughs>